You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And I'm going to start tonight's episode with a joke, a joke some of you might have heard, but it's a cute joke. It's about a rabbi and a bus driver, a bus driver who is particularly known for his reckless driving, and uh, he dies before the rabbi does. When the rabbi dies, so he's escorted uh, in Shamayim, Ganedin, whatever you want to call it, and to get his eternal reward, he's escorted to a, a middle seat. You know, not, not way at the back, but um, neither is he all the way at the front. And he, he uh, st- uh, stretches his eyes and he sees way at the front, many, many rows in front of him, is the bus driver who passed away before him. And uh, so he walks over to the bus driver and he says, you know, I understand, I, I don't really understand uh, you must have kept uh, secrets from us, how you were such a great tzaddik, such a great righteous man. No one knew about this in, in life. Is that, is that why you're standing, uh, sitting up front? So the bus driver says, no, that's not actually the case. Actually, I was uh, average. I wasn't uh, so great in most things. Uh, I mean, I kept what I could and, and not everything uh, did I do the right way. But there's one thing that apparently was good enough to get me a seat up front. Um, let me point out in comparison to you, when, when you did your thing, when you spoke in the synagogue, uh, so oftentimes people just fell asleep, or if they didn't, they left pretty much the same way they had come in. But with me, when people drove my bus, they were praying all the way through from beginning to end. So... This story about the bus driver reflects on many, many things that have to do with this week's Parsha, even with the event last week, the catastrophe in Meron. I'm going to unfurl some of these things for you and end up with more of a question than a conclusion, because I'm of two minds about this issue, and I think it's a more complex issue than first meets the eye. <clears throat> I'm going to recommend, as I always do, my Dvar Torah that will be in this week's Jewish Press coming out the next couple of days. Again, you can subscribe to it if you don't want to have to uh, look for it. In any case, the Dvar Torah and the Dvar Torah about Behar, about Parsha Behar, which is the first of the two Parshiot that we'll be reading this Shabbat, there's discussion of rebeat, of interest, that a Jew should not take, uh, a, a take out a loan uh, or give a loan to a fellow Jew with interest. And that is surrounded by the uh, mitzvah of Shemitah, of the seventh year, the sabbatical year. Um, and there seem to be some comparisons, some important comparisons. Presumably that's why they're one juxtaposed to the other. The Kliakar, which I discuss in more length in the, in the Dvar Torah, in the article, um, points out that the idea of rebeat, of not taking rebeat, is really meant to bolster our faith. Um, he doesn't say this, at least far I don't, as far as I remember, he doesn't say that in the same way as Shemitah, but I'll say it for him, in the same way as Shemitah, it's supposed to bolster our faith. Um, in fact, 
the comparison to the farmer is right there in the sense that the Kliakar mentions the idea that a businessman will typically look to heaven for help in his business because business, as we all know, is generally unpredictable, not completely unpredictable. Obviously, we try to maximize the possibilities that we'll do well in business by all sorts of ways um, and to take only calculated risk unless there's a big possibility of, of, of great fortune, whatever it is. Uh, we in our own lives, even if we're not business people, all uh, are aware uh, between investments and, and so on and so forth about what I'm speaking about. In any case, uh, normally with business, as, as the Kliakar discusses, the businessman will look to God. And in fact, will pray just like the bus driver made people pray. So business is a source of people's prayers. People will pray to God that the outcome will be a good one and, and as good as possible. And so that's why we're told not to take interest. Interest, in fact, banking is uh, the opposite of this approach to business, right? It's the conservative type of business wherein one gives out money for an assured yearly, daily, monthly, whatever it is, an, an assured return, right? We speak about, you know, 1%, 5%, whatever it is, um, when, it's talk, when we talk about bonds. But the whole idea is uh, secure investments. A secure investment is something that has a guaranteed set return. Says the Kliakar, that is the antithesis of this mitzvah of not giving uh, giving out uh, money with rebeat, with interest, in that God wants the Jew to be a little nervous about his parnasah, about his livelihood, in the same way that, again, I'm adding, uh, in the same way that Shemitah makes us a little bit nervous about our livelihood and forces us to turn to God. So, this is a very interesting idea. On the face of it, it seems to go against uh, a famous teshuvah, a famous responsa, responsum by Rav Moshe Feinstein. There's a similar uh, responsum by Rav Avadi Yosef, where they're both asked about the permissibility, or let's say even the desirability, more than permissibility, of taking out life insurance, whether this shows a lack of trust in God, or whether in fact one should trust that uh, finances will uh, be okay, that everybody will be taken care of when they need to be taken care of, that a person uh, will not need to take this sort of precautions to ensure that his family will be taken care of in the event that the person dies prematurely. So Rav Moshe Feinstein says that there's no problem whatsoever with this uh, endeavor, and he says it's really no different than any other business endeavor we spoke about before, that in our financial transactions, it's normal and expected and correct to analyze the cost-benefit analysis, the risks involved, and to try to minimize those risks when, whenever possible. So since that is a part of standard business and insurance uh, in and of itself is not prohibited, then, in fact, it would seem to be the wise thing to do to take out insurance policies. Again, when a person 
is in that situation in life where it, it where it makes sense, right? Obviously, this is not a commercial for life insurance or any other insurance. Every person uh, has different needs at different times in their lives. That's not the question. The question was whether it shows a lack of faith, whether we should leave ourselves open to more risks uh, than other people, than the standard life, the Western lifestyle today, in order to show, and I would add, in order to develop our faith in God. In fact, in my book on Exodus, Redeeming Relevance, Relevance in the book of Exodus, right, the second of my five-volume set, I speak about the land of Israel as a land that is precisely like what the Kliakara is speaking about, a land that is dependent on rain as opposed to Egypt that's not dependent on rain, that has a constant uh, supply of water for irrigation, for drinking, but especially for irrigation, uh, meaning that Israel, that Egypt does not undergo droughts. That's why the biblical heroes are constantly going back to Egypt. Um, on the other hand, Israel, the country of Israel, is known for its bounty, but it's also known to be dependent on rainfall, and sometimes the rainfall uh, does not come. Something which leads people to develop their relationship with God. And so in the book, I write about the uh, importance of that and that God uh, creates this land in order to push the relationship with the Jewish people so that we be in constant communication with Him. So here we have something similar to the Kliakar's idea about, about rebeat. Um, and the idea that seems to be implicit or even explicit about Shemitah as well. So what does that mean? We could differentiate and say that Shemitah and Rebit are mitzvot, whereas taking out, meaning they're prohibitions really of working on the seventh year, um, or to charge Rebit, to charge interest, whereas taking out insurance violates no prohibitions, and therefore perhaps there will be no problem. All that is good and well, except for the fact that today uh, we sort of circumvent both of these mitzvot that we mentioned, both Shemitah through the Heter Mechira and Ribit through the Heter Yiska, such that we essentially bypass these mitzvot in order to bring about greater stability to our lives, right? The role of the economist today is to try to bring about Stability, whether it's on the macro level for a country or for the international economy, or even the micro level for companies and individuals, we're all striving for, besides wealth, we're striving for stability in that wealth. Well, is that going against the basic idea of these mitzvot that we're circumventing or not? And if it is, then perhaps... Uh, there's a problem here, and we should try to uh, avoid circumventing and avoid these heterim in any way that's possible, or simply to allow for more risk to uh, happen in our lives than we do, to stop worrying so much about stability um, and open up ourselves to the chances of life that allow us or push us to, like the crazy bus driver, push us to have a more regular 
an intense relationship with God? I'm leaving that up as a question. Uh, as I said, I don't think there's an easy answer. I think there's an issue here, however. I think the fact that Rav Moshe Feinstein uh, allows life insurance and maybe even encourages us, and the fact that we are allowed to circumvent these mitzvot for uh, needs of stability doesn't mean that we should ignore the issue of God planting instability precisely so that we turn to him. Right, I said that we could mention the story of Meron here also, where perhaps they went uh, by not taking care of the facilities the way they should, perhaps went too far in the other direction of simply leaving things up to chance, um, which um, creates the sort of possibility for catastrophe as, as what occurred uh, last week. So I think one possible avenue that might provide an answer, but again, I'm leaving it up as an open question. would love to hear your feedback. But one possible answer is the fact that today we live in what's called a period of hester panim, which literally means that God hides his face so long as the uh, Jews are more in exile than they are in Israel. There's still a majority of Jews outside of Israel, though hopefully that will be changing in the not-too-distant future. The trend is certainly that direction. Um, in any case, there's a, so long as there's a majority outside of Israel, and, and perhaps so long as there is no temple, uh, that God does not bring back his presence in, 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 in such a fashion as we can feel it more readily, um, and that prophecy returns, so on and so forth, that God's uh, uh, providence is more attenuated such that um, we perhaps need to depend on our own devices more, that, that not so much that uh, God is not here, but God is not prepared to change nature, the nature of things so frequently, such that he expects us to go more out of our ways to take care, so, so to speak, of ourselves. That may be one answer. As I said, it, there, there may be others. I want to leave you with one last thought about this, and that ha that's a story that I think we have to aim for. Whether one wants to eliminate as much risk as possible and find God in other more pleasant ways, or whether one is comfortable with a, a sort of uh, open approach. And, I, and I, th I think there's a lot of people um, in the Middle East who are more comfortable with leaving things up to chance, so to speak, uh, more confident in God's providence, and therefore more willing to take these risks. So w whether one takes this approach or the other somewhere, probably most of us in between, the story goes as follows. Rav Cooperman uh, Zal, who was the uh, director of a very important women's college and seminary called uh, the Michlala, which really means the college, Michlalat Yerushalayim, uh, the Women's College of Jerusalem, a fine institution that he founded and developed, a uh, great rabbi who was a scholar in his own right. I, I, I don't remember if I heard from him, um, I think it was from someone else, but there, there's a story that he uh, give, being the 
dean of a girls' school uh, would often be introduced or to be an advisor to his students' wedding plans. So um, one young lady who uh, was speaking to him about the young man she had met and was hoping to marry uh, was asking for advice. And he asked her one question about this young man. He said, certainly we're speaking about a religious person, but I want to understand whether you would characterize him as being punctuated by halakha, by Judaism, or permeated by it. I think that's critical. Whatever approach we want to take, we have to aim to be permeated by Judaism, permeated by God, to have God consciousness as much of the time as possible and to be motivated to pray with that consciousness. So if we can do it without risk, all the better, as I said, in a more pleasant way. But if we can't, and many people can't, then one has to question whether we are necessarily on the right track. That's it for today. We'll speak to you again. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.